Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. What's up, guys? It's Mike and Mark here from LRMOnline.com, and we're bringing you another exciting episode of LRM TV Podcast, where we got a lot to cover this week, a lot of reviews, a lot of news, a lot of different talks about what's going on in the TV realm, slash movie realm, slash comic realm, slash everything that you should know, um, sports entertainment-wise and everything. Um, so we're just going to jump right into it, go through our reviews really quick, and... Um, and then talk about some pretty interesting uh, news developments that just came out in the past uh, 48 hours or so. So our normal lineup that we go across, Supergirl, Flash, Legends, Arrow. And then um, I've, you know, I've always said I've been a fan of the Goldbergs. And this episode had a, this week had a kind of a, a soft spot for me because um, kind of relationship with my dad. And then uh, talk about the impact of 24 Legacy. So let's just jump right into this Supergirl Um to me, this show is it's kept its momentum, uh, and so we've gotten this week is the the Martian Manhunter and McGon basically took over, and you got the the Martian invasion, and this was one of my favorite storylines in the DC universe. Um, when you get Martian Manhunter, uh, I think it was Mark. Am I right? Is that um, the Martian invasion when it was like it was late nineties, early two thousands? That was more Justice League, right? Um, yes. Thanks. Yeah, yeah I'm trying. To, yeah. yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, and so that's a uh, that storyline um, has kind of taken over into the Supergirl realm, which has been impactful because um, now you're starting to really blow up the Supergirl universe, which I didn't think that it was going to happen when the transition from CBS to CW. A lot of the big question marks about this show is all about budget and constraint and how much you know they would be able to to spend on this show. Um, and with already the news that we broke out about two weeks ago with um, Supergirl and the rest of the DC shows getting um, picked up for next season, it looks like they're just confident in the in the budget that they have. And so the the graphics, everything is 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 unbelievable. It's it's really on uh, if either on par or just above. I think in my eyes, the Flash um, in the in the um, graphics department. You know, I don't think you're ever going to get better than how they did the the mini like four second shot of King Shark and then um, and Gorilla Grodd. Um, but uh, Mark, have you kept up with the show at all? And um, I haven't as much as i'd like to just mm-hmm. because usually i'm watching gotham um, yeah. on mondays uh but i did get to catch a little bit of this past week just because gotham was, uh, was on their you know little hiatus right now right um and i i do like what they've done with um you know the idea of having um martian manhunter on there i i think just because it it is i think it's a smart way that if they ever do want to bring martian manhunter into um 
like the the movies or uh yeah justice league or anything like that down the road um i think it's kind of a good end for that for people to be somewhat aware of uh you know i'm uh, i would say outside of um the comics a fairly obscure character that that the general audience may not be aware of right um so i I, you know i've I've enjoyed the way they've done that i like how they've handled the um you know the luther family that's been really interesting to me as well um and yeah you know like i said when it first transitioned over i wasn't sure how it was going to do but i mean from um you know what i've kept up with it it's been um it's really exceeded my expectations honestly yeah same here i I, uh, like out of all the shows, it's the one I'm probably, I, I, I hate to admit it, but the one I, I probably <clears throat> keep up with the least. But when I do, I, I when I do sit down and watch it on DVR, and when I get a chance to actually watch it, you know, live, it, it still impresses me. And, and I'm glad that they've really expanded the Supergirl universe because it's tough. I mean, there's not a lot of Supergirl stories out there um, in the comic world. So right. it, it's good to incorporate, you know, um, the you know Martian alien race and, and, and get that out there. Um, all right, so Flash mm-hmm. this week. Uh, this episode to me, I finally figured out what's wrong with, in my opinion, with the Flash is. Um, and let me let me give my thoughts on it and see if you agree with me. So, ever since the midseason finale when Barry saw Iris die at the hands of Savitar okay there's been something about the show that I just can't put like I couldn't put my finger on it until finally this week and it happened just because it happened two times in a row that because of seeing the future now that we know the future basically all the events that are going on that are life-threatening have no weight to them okay so two weeks in a row now Iris's life has been in danger okay so two weeks ago it Hmm. was she had Wally break into, you know, a gun smuggler's uh, warehouse and she had a gun pointed to her head, yet we knew that she wasn't going to die there. And then this week with the metahuman of Jorgen um, touching her to r- rapidly decompose her uh, into a, a awful death, when I saw that, I said, this is not going to wait. This has no weight to it because we know how she dies. And so... To mm-hmm. me, like it's that that all that almighty like question: Would you really want to know what your death was like if you you know if you knew it? How would you live your life? And so, watching the Flash, right. it kind of sh- it's kind of showing me that it's like I know how this is going to end, or at least get to it the near the end that it's it's going to end up with Savitar. Mm-hmm. So now these episodes, to me, I like I'm enjoying them. I like the d- other things that are going on with Caitlin and Julian with Cisco, um, but. This week's episode, when Iris was on her deathbed, had no like no meaning for me at all. Mm. Do you think I'm right, or am I am I completely wrong? No, I, I definitely do, and it's funny that you said that because I couldn't quite put my hands on it either. I thought this week's episode was fine. I wasn't real impressed, and like I said, I couldn't really figure out why. But that's probably it, and I think that's the same effect that I had. Um, with the episode of Arrow when Laurel returned right. and then they ruined it in the promos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I ended up watching the episode and it was an okay episode, but it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really, there was no real shock value. I agree with that. I think it's because all the buildup has been around like Savitar killing her and how they're going to stop it. 
that like them still using her as the damsel in distress doesn't have the same effect because well that's not what all the buildup has been about um and i really think that's where a lot of the shows have kind of dropped the ball after the uh the winter um break you know i haven't really like i said and we'll get to it with with arrow um but even like with uh you know with arrow and flash it's just kind of They've been okay episodes. Yeah, it feels like they've been it coasting. It really hasn't. Right, which I felt the opposite of that prior to the winter break. I you agree. Know? Yeah, 100%. I, I felt like it was like, I felt like they were all very good and building up. And then it's like back from winter break and they're like coasting. I don't know if they're coasting till like the second little break is over. But I, yeah, I just, they've been okay, but I, I haven't really, you know, wasn't much to write home about i guess yeah it seems like with in this time of the season it's the past couple seasons of arrow and last year with flash that there was these three or four episodes that we got back right out in january february that really had no no meaning to them they were kind of just filler episodes and then we get it back into the full swing of things once the entire winter break is over and that's where it picks up and it feels like uh, with the flash that since i know what's going to happen pretty much at the end of the season you know all we're waiting for now is can barry or wally save iris so now all these episodes really don't mean anything to right. me what i think they should have done now looking back at it you know hindsight's 2020 20, i know and I, I thought that you know seeing iris die you know by savitar was a cool twist by going to the future but it would have been more interesting that if they'd never shown that, but it just shown Barry's reaction, like just shown him going, jumping yeah. to the future, but only have a camera focused on Barry and just know that what he's seeing is, you know, is life altering. And he doesn't say anything to anyone and trying to, everybody's trying to figure out what he actually saw. Um, that would have put a little bit more yeah. mystery behind it. And, it, you know, and you would have been guessing what did he see what did he see and so every episode you're wondering is this is is this the event where you know he when he jumped into the future where it came into yeah you know i think that's a good point um and it would leave more of that kind of reveal but not it it wouldn't be this too extensive of a time as like with arrow and when was it season four i guess or right i don't even remember now uh with laurel how it was like from the beginning of the season till the end that was too much time right you yes know? exactly but yeah. i i i think that yeah you're right if it was this kind of a um you know that this reveal that someone or some character dies and you know he tries to keep it in in order to you know not change them or or whoever, maybe he lets one or two characters know something like that, right. you know. Then it keeps the audience guessing rather than kind of what we've had. Right. Yeah. It just it was just something that you know when I saw it, it when you know the show premiered uh, with you know the ending with Savitar killing Iris. I thought, oh, this you know it's a good twist for the second half of the season. But then I didn't realize the the ramifications of knowing the future basically means that none of this is real like in or is gonna carry any weight so like to me if i was one of those characters you know in the in the show and iris is you know on the deathbed dying i'll be like well we know this isn't gonna happen and you know and 
unless we change the, the future, we've changed it and so forth. Uh, so I don't know. It just this week's episode kind of just made me realize that the the storyline right now is, is is a little bit weak because we know the future. But don't get me wrong, I am mm-hmm. super super excited for Gorilla City. When I saw the preview of Grodd and yeah, and saw cool. Jesse come back to get Wally saying that you know Wells from Earth Two is stuck in you know on Grodd's Earth. Oh my! That I mean to me. To, to me, that's the Flash's true arch enemy is Garad. Um, you know, Reverse Flash has been great. Zoom was great, um, but Gorilla Grodd is to me from the comics that has been always uh, Flash's true arch nemesis. So I'm super excited. It's a two part event. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be awesome with with it being a two part event as well. Just because you know I know. Grodd is limited just because of the you know the money that goes into the special effects, but you know having it as a as a two part episode I think is is going to be really great um, and something that will kind of give the audience something different than the kind of drawn out storyline that we've been having. Right. Yes. Agree. Alright, um, so now following after The Flash, the CW's changed the schedules just a little bit, and so Legends of Tomorrow had moved from <coughs> Thursday nights to Tuesdays after The Flash, and this episode, um, and we could talk about last week's episode since we didn't really talk about it um, on our podcast, uh, to me, this has been the show that has kind of taken over as my favorite in, um, from the, the group of the CW shows is Legends of Tomorrow. So last week we had the Legion of Doom, which when you, when you and I were talking um, last week before we were doing our podcast on WWE, you know, I said that this was the Legion of Dune episode was a good way to test to see if you could have a TV show mm-hmm. dedicated to villains. And I thought it worked out well. That it was kind of like how Sony wanted to do a Sinister Six movie, um, you know, focused on the villains with Spider-Man kind of being the backdrop of it. Uh, I think mm-hmm. if you went with that team of Thawne, um, Malcolm, and even Damien. Because with Damien by himself, not as great a character, but with the other two, works really well. I think you could have a great show on your hands right there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was really cool. Just that, you know, the perspective of it was different. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it I thought it worked well. It was interesting. The, the dynamics between the characters were pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm still not 100% sold on Damian Dark's character. I do think he's better with Malcolm Merlin and right. um, Eworth Thawne. Uh, but I, I don't know. And like I said, it's not the actor. I just It's something about the character. And I think some of it is just because um, after Arrow Season 3, you know, there was this huge buildup. You know, um, Rache was, like, saying that there was this other person out there that, he, you know, was... His equal. You know, uh, yeah, his equal, and then it's like Damien Dark, and it just—I I don't know—hasn't quite followed up what I thought it would be. But I mean, I do agree that his character is better with other um, other characters supporting him. Right. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was really well done. It was it was it was cool to you know, and it was also neat to see why uh, Eward Thawne has tried to do this as well you know we finally get to figure out what what his motives have been yeah and it was cool to see how um zoom has turned into uh black flash 
and mm-hmm. that is basically a, a, a time reaper almost, that's, or a mixture of a time reaper and a speedster coming after him, and that's the only the only way he can stay in the timeline is to evade him. And I th- it was genius. It, it links everything together from Arrow to Flash and stuff. I thought it was pretty cool. Yep. Um. So in this week's I thought epi- this week's episode. Yeah, I thought this week's episode was pretty interesting because um, I don't know. I thought it Rip was a he's he's a pretty good bad guy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was really awesome to see like Arthur Darville um to to play that that version of Rip yeah. as the bad guy it was. I mean, he did an unbelievable job. Yeah, absolutely. I I actually, I mean, I I enjoyed it. It was extremely believable. Um. Yeah, it, it was a it was a you know pretty good episode. It had some, you know, funny parts to it as well. Um, but yeah, pr- pretty interesting uh, overall. I, I I really enjoyed that part. Yeah, and what I loved about this week's episode, especially with Rip's character, is that when Eobard messed with his mind, it wasn't like a, a complete reprogramming and making him just a bad guy. He just what he did is just gave Rip a different perspective of life. And he just altered his memories just mm-hmm. a little bit so that he was he, he had the same memories from prior, but now he's looking at it through a different lens and realizing it was all worthless. And so the real way to do this is basically get the Spear of Destiny like Eobard wants and fix everything that had happened beforehand. And so that's what I liked about it. It was like, it wasn't just like a, oh, we're going to mind control Rip and make him a, you know... It was literally we're just gonna show him his memories in a different in a different light, and it's gonna change his perspective on things. And I thought that was great. And I thought it was great too that they had Sarah and Ray kind of take a back seat from the show this week and and let you know Jackson and Mick really shine. Like to me, you know, I know you love uh, Mick and uh, and. The, that character and everything, but it was to me it was hilarious that at the end we find out that with his help with Washington D.C. <laughs> he actually gets a monument made after him. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. I like that his interaction with uh, George Washington. Right, I thought that was good. And what I think, what I really feel like Legends does that the other shows could take note of is the way that they balance the characters on different episodes. Right. Um, they, I, I feel like it's not like every episode they try and give every character equal screen time. And that's something I'll get to again later, but that's kind of been my gripe sometimes in the past is like when they're always trying to give every character equal screen time, I feel like it waters down the, the stories. Right. And I agree with you. I think I know where you're going with this with Arrow, um, how it basically watered down this week's yeah. episode. Um, but this, yep. Yeah, I agree with you. Legends does a great job with it. It seems like every week there's two or three characters that will take a back seat that will have something happen to them that will yep. cause them to, you know, not be a part of the team or be taken away and stuff. And so that allows, you know, it's a focus on two to three solid characters. So this week it was, you know, Mick and Jackson um, with a little bit of Stein and so forth. But, you know, um, it was great, and you know, it, it was interesting to see Nate and Vixen's relationship kind of grow and get to us, you know, what they, you know, really referred to as chill relationship and stuff. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, they they nailed well, it every the week. The interesting though. part with that too, and the interesting part with that too is that 
so they're not necessarily even support characters. They like all kind of are lead characters, and right? Lines, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I guess some are, are are more than others. You know, like Sarah stands out a little more, but like they're all fairly lead characters, but they balance them well from episode to episode. Where you know, on Arrow, which we'll get to, and even sometimes on on Flash, um, I, I feel like the support characters they try and give equal time to the main character or the main protagonist and it just doesn't work out right well no i i definitely agree all right so support characters are supposed to be support characters yep let's let's just jump into it since we we keep you know talking about it so this week's uh arrow episode you you said it was disappointing would you say yeah, I had it. I had it. Yeah, you know, and I feel like I always try and give Arrow the benefit of the doubt, but it was just, I just, I don't know. I found it disappointing this week. Um, you know, I just, <clears throat> whenever the Green Arrow isn't a major factor in an Arrow episode, I don't feel like it turns out very well. Yeah, true. Did um, he even wear the Arrow, you know, like I Green mean, Arrow? Outfit? How many times? No. Outside of the flashbacks, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he was always in... Um, Yeah, and so the flashbacks have been the best part, but the flashbacks were also limited. Um, For me personally, I don't feel like the flashbacks really uh, progressed. I mean, yeah, you saw he and Talia training, and he caught the arrow, which was cool. But, like, really, like... It, it was kind of a rehash of last week. Like she, like she wants him to, you know, avenge his father and, you know, avenge his own Pat and this and that, which is great. But like, that's kind of what happened last week that we got. See, but, like, we got. To me, it's like, I'm wondering um, why is she doing that? Like, there's gotta be more to it than just going after these. So well, I'm, you think it's going to tie back so, into the season, season three with like leagues of like the league of uh, assassins. And so, because remember, Roz wanted to take out Stars. I, I yes, and and that's what I think it is. Because if you think about the um, the League of Assassins, whether it is in Arrow season three, whether it's been in Batman Begins, or just in general, like they want to take corrupt cities and pretty much start a, start them all over again, right? Pretty much right. destroy them to start them over, um, and. I think she sees this as a way to do that, right? It's right. kind of, which is interesting because that's kind of what Malcolm Merlin wanted to do in season one, and he was the antagonist, right? So um, I think that's kind of the motive behind it, um, which, which I'm, you know, I'm fine with. I think is, I think is uh, good. You know, she, she and her father see this kind of an end for to take down um you know the city and it didn't go the way they were hoping so that's eventually why i think he stepped in i think that's kind of the connection to season three which is cool Uh um but you know i just i felt like this episode wasn't necessary i just like yeah you know they went to russia and there was anatoly and the bratva and that was fine and but once again you know these the focus was on a lot of the other characters like yeah i know they were going after walker but okay you know that's that's fine but once again i guess it was trying to develop more of 
Diggle's character and Felicity's new like dark side or whatever. And, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I, Arrow has done well when the focus has been on Oliver and his story. Right. Oh, no, no, 100% agree on that. focus on all these other characters. That was the downfall. Yeah, and I think that was the downfall of season four for me was they tried to give all of the team members equal time, and I felt them kind of doing that again today. And season one and two were so great because season two they started to introduce more characters, like obviously Sarah with Black Canary and Roy. Um, But the focus was on Oliver. You know, it's his it's his story and this was you know doing something for diggle and bringing you know the new black canary who is just i guess a part of the team and on board now and you know leaving um you know wild dog back which was fine some of those interactions were funny with or were good with lance but it's just i don't know i just thought it was kind of unnecessary and i think the part that was actually kind of odd to me and redundant was you know rory I like Rory's character because I don't think he's one that's usually focused on it. Mm-hmm. He was the kind of hero of this one, you know? Yeah. But then, you know, his rags don't work. So he is leaving the team again, which he already kind of did earlier in the season. So we've kind of been there before. And then not only that, but like when Curtis was going to leave, it was, there was like this kind of a big deal to keep him back, you know? Like, right. um, yeah. Wild Dog was like, no, you are beneficial, this and that. And Felicity, I felt with Rory, was just kind of like, okay, well, text us when you want to come back. And I'm like, I, I don't know. It just is. Yeah, it I'm hasn't like, been consistent. Like, yeah. Yeah, this show definitely, the consistency yeah, so, has been off. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, the having Susan Williams back was, was fine. And, you know, I think we all kind of figured that she would have some, she would figure got some sort of connection with Oliver um, but it wasn't like really that revealing the the thing that I did find though was that the vodka bottle in Russia and in the flashback was also the one that she had in her apartment a couple episodes back right so I feel like she's gonna have some sort of connection to Kovar somehow I can't really figure out what yet yeah I could see but that th- that's kind of of the connection I'm seeing. Yeah, I can definitely see that. The connection to Kovar, uh, or the, you know, Bratva style there. Um, hmm. See, this is where I had mixed emotions because it finally, like, this episode, if you didn't have the Diggle storyline, I think it would have been a lot better. Not saying it was, like, anything wrong with Diggle, but I think it just flooded it too much. Right. Because for so long i've been wanting to like find out the the true understanding of how oliver became part of the bratva since season 1 is you know season 1 all like they were he was speaking russian and he had these connections and then to find slade he he calls on the bratva again and so it's like how did he become you know part of the bratva how did he become part of this brotherhood so it seemed like uh, that storyline finally came full circle and now it's it's semi complete so I definitely enjoyed that storyline. The rest of it, I could it, it, it could have just been thrown away from me. So the really out of this episode, probably about twenty minutes worth of the time. Um, the flashbacks I thought were good, but I agree right. with you, they just didn't push anywhere. But th- like you said, it's like they they're wasting time on characters that are 
are not not necessarily not important, but just not in, at the time being. Because, like, for instance, what well, happened to Artemis? Like, she's been gone for three or thank four episodes. You. Uh, yeah. Like, is she dead? Well, is she, I mean, the know? thing is, once again, the well, once again, this thing, the focus is on the support characters, and that's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to support the main character. Right. And I feel like we're, we're getting more of them sometimes than we are Oliver. Right. And, you know, this whole, like, Felicity's dark Felicity now, I, like, I could honestly care less. You know, I, I don't, you know, that that doesn't matter to me. Um, but you're right. So, you know, since they came back from the winter break, um, we've seen Prometheus a little bit once with the, um, with the whole, um, uh, with the Laurel. Quote unquote, right returning. yeah using laurel right. um but you're right like where where they they could do something with artemis like since she defected you know with prometheus we haven't seen anything about her or right. heard anything about her and i feel like once again that's kind of a missed opportunity exactly because i mean they, they could have used that as like set up an emotional like fight uh, you know between her and you know wild dog or something like that but nope decide not to just say all right she's defected yeah. next you know next person up so, yeah, yeah. This was a yeah. It, so I, I it just, wasn't a strong episode. Um, like yeah, and I actually didn't find much. I didn't find a whole lot like for the article that I wrote. I mean, it was even hard to find a lot to write about because it was just like I said, it was okay. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't season four bad, but it wasn't great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those deals. All right, I think we've we've bashed Arrow enough for today. Um, it, it's it's it sucks because it's one of those shows that I truly do love, and I still love you know, love it. And I think Stephen Amell and the, and that cast is great. I've seen them you know in multiple conventions and mm-hmm. panels and everything. Like that. They're a great crew. So just on a bad streak right now. Hopefully get it, it gets back going. All right, um, just uh, yeah. And I mean, it's not the actors at all. It's just, no, no. It's just the, the flow of the story. Yeah, so that's it. Um, all right, so yep. now that we got back into mid-season premieres, there's two shows um, I want to promote really quick. Uh, number one, 24 Legacy. Um, so this is the sequel, the, the reboot, the whatever you want to call it, from the mass hit show with the starring Kiefer Sutherland back in the early 2000s, now taking place again, um, and premiered right after the Super Bowl and had its second episode which is was part of the two-part premiere the Monday night and I can honestly say after the premiere slash two episodes that I'm absolutely hooked like I I, the first 24 I understand why people liked it and you know I'm a fan of Kiefer Sutherland but I didn't really jump into it as much as everybody else did this one though I can see myself sticking with it so um if you are going to jump on the show, though, you have to watch it from, like, start to finish. It's one of those TV shows that you can't just jump in the middle of it and understand what's going on. Um, so if there's something you need to watch that's a little bit different that you haven't you know, picked up yet, make sure to record 24 Legacy. And then the other show, I, I, I try to give it some love on this podcast. So I'm going to start giving more love is The Goldbergs. Um, if you're into 80s nostalgia, um, you, this is about Adam... Um, F. Goldberg's, uh, who's an, a movie actor, but uh, in in real life in, in Hollywood, but he's chronicled his all his stories from when he was a kid into this show, and they're absolutely hilarious. And so, what got me thinking about talking about it on the podcast was uh, this week's episode is focused on um, 
Adam joining the tennis team in high school and trying to mimic what, or his bigger brother mimics what Andre Agassi looks like with the big mullet and stuff. And, um, it absolutely hilarious, uh, episode. Um, so if there's two shows that you need to pick up watching, it's 24 legacy and gold and the Goldbergs. If you haven't, um, Mark, have you picked up any new shows so far with the new, uh, winter premieres or anything? Um, I'm not completely caught up with 24 yet, but from what I have seen of it, I, I agree with you. I'm extremely um, excited about it and, and impressed. Like I said, I was it was something that I definitely wanted to uh, get into, but at the same time, I wasn't sure how it would do because you know sometimes when they you know pick up a series again, but there's you know different actors or you're not really sure right, how it's yeah. going to go, but I definitely think it has some great potential, uh, much more than um, I thought it would be good, but it, it's, it kind of, it has exceeded my expectations right. so far. All right. So those are the two shows to definitely pick up. If you haven't been watching them already, um, we'll start talking about it a little bit more on this podcast. All right. Now this uh, going into our little WWE time, um, we got Elimination Chamber coming up this week uh, on Sunday. Um, it's a pro- all SmackDown event, so we're only going to get the SmackDown roster this week. And then in four weeks, we get the Raw pay-per-view. Um, so the main event is the Elimination Chamber. And you've got John Cena, the WWE Champion, going up against AJ Styles, uh, Dean Ambrose, Miz, Bray Wyatt, and then um, who was the last man? Um, on top. Let me look it up real quick. Bray Wyatt, Baron Corbin. So, mm-hmm. who's coming out the champ, Mark? Who's coming out, or who would I like to see come out? Uh, okay, <laughs> because so usually who what would I would you like right. to see doesn't, yeah. doesn't Who would happen. you like um, to see be the champ? I would like to see Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt, that's an interesting choice. Um, I think that Bray Wyatt is one of the kind of most underestimated individuals. Um, his, his character, first of all, is interesting. I think people find it interesting. It kind of reminds me of, you know, it's a little bit different, but do you remember like the brood when they first started? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what the, that's what the Wyatt family kind of reminded me of, but in a different way. Yeah. Um, the weird thing with Bray Wyatt is like, like he's a popular individual. He's a good wrestler, but to election, like, I don't think he's had really any individual titles has he bray no not individual not individual no yeah yeah and and you know like do i think he'll he'll get it no no. you know i honestly don't right but like is he deserving i think he's one of the ones that's deserving but out of the mix i don't think he's one that will like actually get it but i would like to see him get a little bit more of a push personally yeah, I could definitely see him. That that would be a, definitely a good, you know, kind of like Undertaker-ish, you know, brutish yep. type champ. That that would definitely be good. I I don't see the Miz winning it. I don't see Baron Corbin winning it. 
I think uh, is I think you know Bray Wyatt's a good choice, but I don't think he's going to come out. And I think it's either I think John Cena keeps it. I really do, because um, yeah, really after this, it's you know there's only one more pay per view before WrestleMania, major pay per view that you know the champ will probably f- fight in, and they they have to set it up for Randy Orton. They already did on this previous SmackDown, you know, Cena versus Orton and Cena beat Orton. So I've got, I got to say that Dean will, you know, he's already the, um, the was intercontinental. Yeah. He's an intercontinental champ. So he's got his belt. So it's AJ Styles or Cena. I don't know. I, I, I think Cena comes out on top. Yeah. Yeah, I think they'll keep it because really, I mean, I think if you go for a whole, you know, Orton Cena, you know, WrestleMania, I, like that's you know, that's a good, that's, that's a good, a good that's match. a good match, yeah, 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 it's a good match, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, that would have some more appeal than AJ Styles getting it back right now, right? Um, just because obviously Cena's your your pretty big name, um, yeah. So you know, I I think that's probably how it'll play out. Yeah, definitely. Um... Looking at this pay per view coming up with um, this weekend, there's only maybe one other match that I'm interested in, and it's actually so. There's the Apollo Cruz and Callisto versus Dolph Ziggler, which is a two on one match, which is pretty crazy. Which I'm actually disappointed that Apollo yep. Cruz hasn't been like boosted up more. You know, I thought Apollo would have been yep. when he came up from NXT and and made his debut. Would have been a, a little bit more um, up in the in, by now would have been more with the main event guys, but slowly but surely he should be up there. Um, but the other match I'm yeah, looking for this kind of a different match to me. Like I just I, I don't know it. Um, you know, when I was watching SmackDown and Callisto came out after you know um, Dolph Ziggler was hitting Apollo Cruz with the. Um, chair it just uh-huh. it, it seems like a weird mix i guess yeah I, it doesn't make much sense to me and it's just weird but hey you know they're trying new things at smackdown it's working though i mean everything they've yeah. done right they've done it right so um but the match that i'm kind of interested to watch is luke harper versus randy orton because yeah this yeah. is like a the, the you know Randy Orton was part of you know with Luke Harper and Bray Wyatt there for a minute and now you know starting to to break away and everything but um it started it's it's good to see you know the Viper starting to get some you know better matches in because there was a quite a time there where yeah. he was just kind of getting the the C list matches and stuff but I think this is going right. to be the one that steals the show because Luke Harper man the the matches he does by himself he you know without the Wyatt family and stuff, and it, it, it he puts on a show. I like him. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Yeah. So, all right. Any other um, you you excited about any other matches from Elimination Chamber this weekend? I know you're really looking um, forward to the the tag team. What is it like? Six tag teams going against each other for the belt? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I. I don't know. My, the only thing that I worry about sometimes with the brand split is that they don't overdo the pay-per-views. Like, that, that, right. that ends yep. up watering them down. Because I think throughout the year, don't they end up having, like, 17 pay-per-views or something like that? So when they did the rebranding, 
Yeah, it, it yeah. went from it went from ten pay per views to they had to jump it up to seventeen, eighteen. But the they said the benefit of that is that it gives more people incentives to join the WWE network, which I agree. If you're gonna have yeah. your own network, yeah, you need to have more pay per views. So the rebranding was smart right. by doing that. But at the same time, like you said, you water down your rosters, and so you you get those you get these SmackDown exclusive pay per views, and you have to fill it with your you know your for the most part your roster with what you have so i mean you're only getting a grand total of seven matches which is about the norm but usually what used to happen on pay-per-views before right before the rebranding and split is that it pay-per-views were probably averaging around 10 to 11 matches and you would have those pre-card right. ones that were you know if you signed up early you could get those but yeah it's it's definitely it's hit. It's one of those that like it's good for the network, but sometimes the the quality of the pay per view goes downhill. So, um, right, yeah, it's definitely not your royal. Rumble. So I mean, you know, we'll right. Oh, yeah, which you know, I mean, we'll see. Like you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, and you know, maybe it'll help them kind of spice up some more of the stories or continue to bring in people. Right. Um, but yeah, so you know, we'll see. That's my only kind of reservation towards it. Right. All right. Okay, so there's two things that two announcements came out. One was a theory and one was a news announcement. Which one do you want to talk about first? The theory or the big news announcement? Uh, let's we can go with the theory first. Okay. That's fine. So the theory, um the Power Rangers movie that's coming out later on this year, um there's been rumors coming around that you know, some of it's been confirmed and some just we're going to guess got confirmed. Um for the most part is that Rita was originally the Green Ranger, Zordon was originally the Red Ranger, and some sort of type of split or some type of event caused them to rift and break away. So, the theory of Rita being the Green Ranger has been all but confirmed. Now, the theory of Zordon being the Red Ranger has semi been confirmed so brian cranston over the weekend posted a tweet or in or i'm sorry it was to the new red ranger um for the tv show got a birthday gift which was a power ranger and it was from brian cranston and it said from one ranger to another and so it happened to be that the gift was a red power ranger so brian cranston all but really confirmed it the tweet went out and then it's since been deleted. So that might have been a big time spoiler for the movie. Mark, what do you think? Is do you think that is the, this is the truth, or do you think it's just kind of messing with us, playing with us? You know, I mean, I think that could be like just a general term, like one ranger to another, or just meaning you know, like the Power Ranger family. You know, right. I think you can take it with a grain of salt. But if they did go that route, I think that'd be really interesting. Um, I think it'd be a really cool way to kind of show the way that the, the torch is passed down to different people or why the power coins are where they are, you know, um, because obviously with the TV show, you know, I've, I've watched, you know, when it was power Rangers, then it changed a bunch of times. And I, I you know, I didn't end up following all that or how right. it changed a while, but it always seemed like it was like a different type of power ranger where like, this would be cool to make sense of how like, you know, the Power Rangers change over time, but it's the same kind of um, 
you know, the same type of Rangers or something like that. Uh, um, and would maybe explain why Zordon is, you know, in the form that he is and why Rita is in the form that he or that she is. Um, yeah, I just think that could be a pretty cool plot point. Yeah, I think that makes a solid plot point, actually. Like, if you could, if you kept this, it, it basically uh, brings the Power Ranger, you know, legacy back in a different twist that I think everyone could relate to. Because what's going to be difficult about this movie, although I think it's going to be a smashing success, basically, if, if the trailers have any type of, you know, yeah. resemblance to the actual movie, I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed. But what's going to be difficult is to try to convince these older generation that's watched the show and knows the storyline to to really buy into it and so they've changed it up a little bit so instead of zordon picking five teenagers it just be happens to be that five teenagers stumble upon you know a spaceship and find the power coins so they need to just change it just uh, tweak it so rita being the green ranger is is a great is a nice new twist to it and then if zordon was originally red ranger i'd definitely be on board with that um, and I would love, love, love if that was, if was the case. And then maybe, you know, Goldar might be the actual yellow Ranger or something like that. Maybe if it was an actual, like breaking up of the team, you know, that mm-hmm. we see the, you know, and we see the effects of that, that I think would be good. Speaking of Goldar, what do you think of the, yeah, new, like trying, like, what do you think of that new version of him? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I'll give it a chance, but right, dude. I, you know, I'll give me the old Goldar. I, you know, the like, monkey dressed up in a like gold suit. <laughs> yeah, but remember, his face got better after the first season because at first, oh, like yeah. his mouth barely moved. The first season was hilarious because you'd then, be talking and it'd be like, <laughs> like his his mouth would barely yeah, move. Absolutely oh. nothing. Yeah, so they improved that, but and I don't know. I mean, here's the thing: who's to say that like that's the the final form of Goldar too. Maybe you know what true. I mean? Oh like, yeah, you're right. Because I, cause I know that they're trying to get all the, all the gold or all the pieces or whatever. Um, so maybe that's like, you know, maybe that's not the final form of it. Um, I which, just want to, you know, I just want to like sit down and talk with the creative director and be like, how the hell did you draw up this Goldar here? Did you just literally take yellow paint and throw <laughs> yeah. up against the, the, you know, a splashboard and be like, okay, there's our Goldar. Right, exactly. But, no, I mean, I definitely think that the theory of Zordon being the the Red Ranger, Rita Green Ranger, and maybe some other type of twist along with it, definitely be worth it. Mm -hmm, Absolutely, that'd be really cool. Alright, next piece of news. Just released out um, yesterday... Netflix made an announcement that they are going to go ahead and greenlight their Castlevania project that's been rumored now for a little bit of time. And this was basically from their statement, you know, when making the announcement that this was going to be Netflix's version of Game of Thrones. Now, it's going to be an animated series. It's going to be based off of the old NES video games, but you can expect a lot of action and excitement from this. So, how excited are you about this news, Mark? And I was so pumped when I first saw this. So, you know, I mean, obviously for my NES nostalgia, um, to get a, a fix of that, um, I was hoping it would be live action because 
because I was thinking you could obviously go the whole Game of Thrones uh, route mixed yeah. in with, you know, how popular, you know, the idea of vampires are and then also the, you know, kind of Lord of the Rings-esque to it. Um, but, I mean, I'm fine with it being um, animated because it's, it's you know, it's not your PG animation. You know, it's, it's you know, R-rated animation. So it'll have a lot of the kind of grit and, and gore and storyline that Castlevania is, which I'm really excited about. No, I, I uh, so I was kind of like you at first. I was a l- disappointed it wasn't live action. But then I thought about it. I was like... How hard would it be and how much money would you have to yeah. spend to recreate a lot of those sets, you know, and, and yep. all the extra pieces that go along with it, how to do all the, you know, the fighting style and stuff like that. You'd be dropping a ton of money that I don't think Netflix is ready to do just yet. I mean, they're not in that, that HBO right. like realm yet. So, you know, I thought looking now thinking back at it, I'm thinking this is a smart move. They're going to make it an adult version cartoons, and we know that adults are going to watch it. I mean, shoot, the number one rated Disney uh, XD show right now is Star Wars Rebels, and it's Saturday night at eight thirty. Yeah. And they say the the largest <laughs> demographic that watches that show are men eighteen to thirty five. So I'm pretty sure you know they're going to have a good audience watching the Netflix um, Castlevania show. Even though it's animated, um, yeah, absolutely. I think too with it, um, you know, it, it opens up the door for if it is successful, then you could jump into a, a movie or something like exactly. that. You know, I think it's a smart move because then once it gets more, um, you know, kind of publicity and more viewing, then if it's successful, you can you can broaden it out. Right, and I think that this should be kind of the future of video games in Hollywood is. TV route, you know, um, majority of animated, you could do some that are live action, but this is, I think is going to be a success because it's not trying to swing for the fences and trying to be a billion dollar franchise. Um, which we've seen that not many video game franchises can do. It took resident evil seven films to break a billion dollars where it takes literally one and a half Batman films to do that. So there's a big divide amongst comic book movies and video game movies. And so I think by doing Castlevania as a TV show on Netflix, smart, smart move. It's kind of like Marvel knowing that you're not going to be able to put Luke, have like Luke Cage have his own movie or Iron Fist right. or even Daredevil after the effects that Ben Affleck had. So they put him on Netflix for a TV sure, show. And now they're right. free. I mean, they're, they're controlling, you know, Netflix now Marvel is. So, and you got Daredevil, uh, uh, Punisher spawn, like spinning off from Daredevil. So, I mean, and that is the little bit we've gotten to Punisher so far is, I think, 20 times better than the two movies that have been out, even though some people <laughs> yep. say that the Ray Stevenson one was amazing. I don't think so. I mean, mm. um, but, you know, so I think this is a smart move. If this goes well, I could see other, you know, other video video game franchises go this route. I think Assassin's Creed should have been this way. I don't think they should have done the live action uh, yeah. with Michael Fassbender. It would have been better off doing it on, uh, a, you know, a live stream, a, net, a streaming network, and you know, probably animated series. You don't spend as much money. You're not as heavily invested. You don't have as many actors you have to pay. Just some voice actors, 
and it would have been a smashing success. So I'm definitely, definitely happy to see um, Netflix go into this genre because I, th- I honestly do think there's there is a a an audience out there for something like this. Am I crazy or? No, I agree, and hopefully it'll bring on some. Uh, you know what I'm going to say, Legend of Zelda, right? Yes. Oh, that that would break the bank right there. There but we go. I don't think Nintendo's ready to give up that property yet. Castle, uh, probably Castlevania's yeah. a tester. See how well Castlevania does. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and then yeah. you could get into Legends of Zelda. So, all right. Well, that's basically everything that we had to cover for this week. Um, Mark, is there any other news or anything I miss out on? No, I think we we got it all covered for the week. Awesome. So that's it from uh, Mark and I this week. Um, make sure you check out our other uh, podcasts we have out there, the Los Fanboys podcast with Joseph and Mario, how they cover all the great film news rumors and scoop news and everything like that. And they they have good spins on their opinions on, you know, what's going on in the Hollywood world. Um, check out Edward Douglas's Weekend Warrior column that comes out every Wednesday along with his interviews that are posted almost every Tuesday and Thursday on lrmonline.com. Um, also, check out Comic Uno's uh, weekly roundup posted Monday mornings. She gives a good insight on some of the films, TV shows, comic books, and, you know, multi-Hollywood um, news that's going on. Um, and it's a video podcast and it's on YouTube as well. And then our last and final podcast, but not the worst one. We, I take that as our, we are the worst of the, of the LRM podcast, but the last one on our list is the nine panel grid podcast with Manny and Chase. And for those comic book lovers out there, this is definitely one you want to listen to. They basically give you a week by week breakdown of what's out there to read and kind of a, a little historical background, um, you know, on the early comics. So for those who are new to the comic world, definitely check out that podcast. So that's it for me. Mark, you got anything else? No, that's it. Just like, like, uh, you said, check out, um, all of our other lovely contributors to LRM. Um, they have some awesome insight to provide. Um, they're, uh, they're always great to, uh, follow along. So we highly recommend checking them out if you haven't already. They are so much better than us. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. All right, Mark. That's <laughs> that's it from us, guys. Thank you again for listening to us, and check us out next week as well. Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.